2: Bare Minerals has been rooted in clean, natural minerals and good-from-earth ingredients for 25 years. This revolutionary way of thinking began with Bare Minerals' best-selling original foundation. It's a clean formula, and it's made with only five mineral ingredients. It includes non-chemical mineral sunscreen. Find your new favorite foundation at bareminerals.com. First-time customers will get 15% off when you use the promo code CHALLENGED. That's CHALLENGED with a D. Bare Minerals, full of what's good, free of what's fake
5: it's candace and kayla and you're listening to
2: directionally challenged we really
5: thought by our 30s that we would have everything figured out but surprise we don't so let's stop and ask for directions from today's guests Aisha tyler and karina mckenzie I don't even know how to begin to introduce these amazing women. Uh, You might know Aisha Tyler from the million of TV shows that I'm already I'm already fangirling over. I can't even get through trying to say this correctly. Um, And I was really excited to try to say it correctly. She's literally on four network television series right now. Uh, You can find her on Whose Line Is It Anyway on The CW. You can find her on Archer, on FX. You can find her on Criminal Minds, on CBS, on Unapologetic, on AMC. What um she's been in this crew in this business for a long time. I used to watch her stand-up comedy. She's written books. She's just an all-around badass woman. Oh, my gosh. We
2: also have a dear friend of ours and someone we absolutely admire and love, uh, Karina McKenzie. Uh, She has a brand new show coming out to the CW called Roswell, New Mexico. She was also a producer on The Originals and um, a huge friend and fan of a little show called The Vampire Diaries. Yeah,
5: we got to know her way back in the day because she was a journalist and she would interview us for The Vampire Diaries. She went on within that time to start working for The Originals and ended up becoming a producer on that series, as well as one of the head writers. And now here she is at The CW. She's our age. She's 31 years old. And she has her own show and a two-year development deal uh, with The CW. It's. I mean, these women are so wonderful. They have so much going on in their life, in their career. They also happen to be best friends. And so today you might notice that this episode is a lot longer than our other episodes. We just could not stop talking with them. So there's really not much to say at the top.
2: Just stay tuned, listen, and
5: let's get into it. Let's find our tribe.
2: Challenge
5: Oh my goodness. I don't even know how to introduce you guys because just going through Wikipedia pages today took a very long time. (laughs) One of them is
0: slightly longer (laughs) than the other.
4: (laughs) Guys, I spent a lot of time curating my Wikipedia page.
3: (laughs) It's
4: like a big part of my day.
5: We have Aisha Tyler and our friends, uh, Karina McKenzie. Uh, Oh my goodness. Okay, Aisha, just now you Mm. have three network television series going on? Four. Four. Four network television series. I'm a greedy bastard. No.
4: <laughs> really unkind.
5: Well, you have Archer, unapologetic. You, and uh, whose line? Is whose in line? Any way, yes, and criminal minds. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so you're yeah, just that's, bored that's all the that's time. Un- yeah. That's, that's unusual. on Tuesdays. That's on yeah. Wednesdays. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I mean, like, I know, I know that that's unusual. It's not like I'm like, oh, doesn't everyone have those? <laughs> I'm all, when are they coming to my house to take me away? I mean, I know it's like an unusual situation, so it won't last forever. But it's been, it's been interesting.
2: Knowing well, you, it's gonna last forever. So cool. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it has
5: lasted yeah. forever. I mean, you've been. It looks like you've just been working nonstop forever, according to Wikipedia, since two thousand one. Generally,
4: um, hmm. Well, I mean, no, like punctuated by long periods of like int- intense credit card debt. Like, okay. Uh, like I had oof, very long story short, like I I I got auditioned for talk soup and it seemed like it went well, but then I just didn't hear anything and I didn't hear anything and I didn't hear anything and I had another job offer, so I took it. It was for this dating show called The Fifth Wheel. I remember uh, Which that. I just took because, like, I needed a job and then, like, right after that, I got talk soup. So then I had two shows and I was like, what? And then I was like, I really hate <laughs> this other show I'm doing where, like, People just get get drunk and then someone gets on a bus and gives everybody crabs. So I quit it. And then <laughs> I loved that show. Yeah, thank you. Because <laughs> okay, people still love it, but I, I was I just so sad. It. The show would be so yeah. sad. And then right, so I quit that show. And then right after that, talk soup got canceled. So I went from like two shows to no shows like really fast. Oh, so wow. um, and I don't know that I thought like I'll have two shows forever, but I remember thinking I'd have a job longer <laughs> than I did. And then I had like a, a I had like a couple of periods where I was like super broke. Wow. Is that? Do you think
5: that experience made you? be willing to just to be t- open to everything Totally, At that oh, point, yeah, yeah. To change any, the take, whole take any job absolutely yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll do anything i'll work anywhere yeah i
4: mean it just made me feel more like um for me anyway and and i think uh, like for all of us like as artists like it's the part that's not fun is the part where you always feel like you have your hands out like yeah you know please sir i may have some more to uh-huh. have permission Give have permission to be no, you know yes. and if you don't get permission it's not just a statement about like where the business is it's like about you like you're not good enough to work and i hated that feeling so I just started doing stuff. Not a lot of it didn't pay just so I would at least feel engaged in my life and not disconnected. Because, the you know, when you're not working as an artist, you feel like wildly disconnected from the world uh-huh. and it can really fuck with your
0: self-esteem. I do nothing unless there's so much money.
4: I, that's, <laughs> I'm I bad. Karina, Karina has the better of <laughs> the two philosophies, say,
5: by the <laughs> way. Even Karina, the queen of doing. I mean, we met way back in the day. Yeah. There's app to it. I was a journalist and I interviewed I
0: Candace. Like I had a whole other life. life. Yeah. I had a whole other life. And all I did was interview the Vampire Diaries cast. Yeah. Literally, I just like... <laughs> it was your for, favorite show, It right? was my you favorite show. And I like... They, they were so nice to me and they gave me so much access and they sort of like... Eventually, they were like, You want to come to dinner after the interviews? And finally, I was just like, Oh my God, they, they're they letting me on the bus at
5: Comic Con. Well, we're I also the it. same age. It. Like, we all, it was, we were all so young and so excited. It's not like you came to visit the set and we were all like seasoned actors, you know? No, we're all like, Young and crazy living in Atlanta, Georgia and on a hit TV series for the first time. We're like, yeah, let's go to Noni's and get crazy. Mm
2: -hmm. So as as the cast was experiencing their first time, you were experiencing your first time. I literally,
0: my first time ever on a television set was at the Vampire Diaries. It was season two premiere. And I tell the story all the time, but like Michael Trevino sort of saw how terrified I was. I was terrified. And he was like, do you want to go for a walk? It was like middle of summer. It was a million degrees out and we walked around the Lockwood mansion and he was like kind of showing me what it's like to be on set. And he was so nice to me. Now he works for me.
2: Oh, no, but <laughs> so delicious. <laughs> like, and now I'm his boss. And now you're
0: his it's
4: boss.
2: So lesson to everyone. Be nice. You never know where it will get you. <laughs> but,
4: yo, seriously, be nice. Like, I mean, like, mm-hmm, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I feel like also in this business more than any other business, but specifically in this business now, like non niceness will catch you. And mm-hmm. I don't even mean just in the context of me too. Like, it just used to be like terrible behavior was tolerated and enabled yeah. and constantly covered up for. And now I just think everyone's like, it's just not enough time in the day to like deal with assholes. Yeah, yeah
5: there was a series. I, I There were a lot of our crew members from Vampire worked on a bunch of other series before that. And there was a series a couple of them had worked on where they would specifically tell someone that the call time was an hour and a half Beforehand, because they would just always be an hour and a half late, mm-hmm. and so the entire production would accommodate like a fake call sheet. Oh my god! Where you're just like, how does that? How does it get to that yeah. point? How, how can it? But it, it does. Cool. But it does. Enabling. It's so mm-hmm. much enabling. Mm-hmm. So I'm so grateful that it's finally like, no, can we exactly stop being assholes? Like, can we just respect other people's right. time? And right. like, no one should be treated better than someone else if we're all here to just get the same product done and the same goal accomplished it's
0: part of what i love about tv is like we're collaborating we are all contributing to the final product mm-hmm. every single person from the top to the bottom we all want the thing to be good yeah and so if people are getting treated like their piece of the pie is more important than the other piece of the pie no if there's a shitty piece of pie it's a shitty pie right no absolutely
4: <laughs> and, and also i think the idea that you can like undermine and, and treat people around you like shit and it's not going to affect it's not going to affect your work It's just a false construct because eventually people just aren't going to support you, aren't going to give you the energy that you need to do your job, are going to undermine you in ways, maybe not even in ways that are intentional, but you just stop getting what you need from people, Mm -hmm. you know, And, and like it just becomes a bad place to spend time. And the thing that makes me craziest is like... You know, people above the line who, you know, like saunter in in their expensive cars and, you know, get their breakfasts made for them and, you know, get their clothes brought to them. And then the rest of the people there, like, just drove their fucking shitty car to work and they got to get out of there early to pick up their kids. And you're the dick who's taking 45 extra minutes to eat your breakfast burrito. Yep. So that guy can't fucking see his kid play soccer.
0: It's such bullshit. And yes. you're making more money than they are. No, I mean, and not you're more, more money. Like, all of the more, more money. money. Yeah. Like, yeah. 10,
4: 20 times more money. Yeah. And
0: you have a chair that you get to sit down, and they don't sit down all day long. Yeah. And, you
4: know. My chair's dope. It has, like,
0: <laughs>
5: <laughs> I can't even talk about the chairs. <laughs> I literally, there there. I've seen a few fancy Fancy chairs fancy in my chairs, time, fancy have, director chairs in my time, and uh, so my chair upgrade was I went to Bed Bath and Beyond and just got like this little like a, a clip that just goes on the side so I could put my soda in it. <laughs> and nice. I was like, this is it. And I would That's take nice. it off, you know, yeah. appro- so it doesn't interfere with the prop department's cart. I love you, you. know, but like that was my you know five dollar upgrade, and it it does the job. I'm my just chair is never
4: my chair, like I some like they just take the backs off. So yeah. like, sometimes I'm like. Here's the thing I left in the pocket the other day, and I'm like, sometimes here's a used condom. Yeah, yeah.
0: this is not (laughs) a chair, guys. I don't understand how this got here. What's happening? I should should explain to people listening. (laughs) Chairs are a big deal on set. (laughs) Not everybody gets a chair. If you have a chair with your name on it, like. It's a big deal. The first time I saw my name on a chair, I like called my mom crying Um, because a lot of people don't get to literally like I'm not exaggerating. People don't get to sit down all day. The first time um,
2: I saw my name on a chair, they misspelled it. I mean, they misspelled my name. I really hope you kept it. Here's a
0: good story. Here's a good story. So Julie Pleck, who is my mentor and was my boss for a really long time. And now we work together and was Candace's boss for a really long time and is like one of our best, best friends. She directed my pilot, Roswell, New Mexico, and I got to work on day one of filming and she just had this look on her face like something had gone horribly wrong and I was like what and she was like well I sent your chair back away because they misspelled your name this is my show no. <laughs> like it's my show her name is I, on the cover of the script it's yeah my, it's show. my name is everywhere and she was like they spelled Mackenzie with an s instead of a z I sent it away you don't have to see it she's like it's gone now it, they'll, they'll bring a new one back to you but like I really you're gonna you guys are gonna laugh I was like really bummed about this yeah I was like man Thought I was important and the king. I've, I've, I've arrived. I've arrived. Cheers, matter.
5: But do you think it's like the universe saying, like, be humble, Karina. Yeah, sit but... down. <laughs> oh wait, you can't sit <laughs> down. Apparently, <laughs> apparently, apparently <laughs> the, universe <laughs> the universe is, is being straight like, Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. Stand
3: <laughs> there and wait. <laughs>
0: <laughs> be
4: humble. And then yeah. I was sit on so some mad, shit mad. That's, at that's at not yours.
0: yours. I was so mad at myself for how bummed I was that I was like in a blank chair for no, like a no. few hours. I get it. Like
4: you, like you feel like you've arrived and it's your show. And it's not it's I mean, it's, it's about ego the way that like everything is about ego in the world. It's like your feelings and shit, but it is your show. And that's, it's a pretty. if basic it makes you thing. feel
5: better on day one of Vampire Diaries, my first day filming ever, I was told I wasn't allowed to sit in the front seat because it wasn't my show and I needed to sit. In the back, towards the back of that the band is oh. Who okay. Said White that Rosa Parks. To. <laughs> <laughs> Who, I hope Who you didn't I move. It was a Teamster in Canada. I won't even, I have like so respect. That's, I love Teamsters. Oh I have so much respect for the Teamsters. But yeah, it was what a very protective, outrageous. passionate. That's amazing. Gentleman. But, but like, there's
4: another... There's like a hundred ways to say it, and that it was so, It it. So
5: I just didn't know what to do. I was like, oh, like, did, did someone get carsick? To the, and he's like, no, this just isn't your show. And I was just like, well, okay, who, is someone, okay. Is someone coming? Is someone yeah, going to sit yeah. in this? Or are
4: we just going to leave yeah. their ghost <laughs> that occupies the city? Like, come on, bro.
5: But I think it's good. I think it's nice to have those moments. I think it, it is what keeps you humble throughout your career. And yeah. it's exactly what you just said, Karina. It's like you started off... You know, nervous on a set for the first time, and then now you're a boss. Like yeah. you have your own show. You started off as I'm still nervous. On an set. assistant writer. No! I still feel like, am I
0: standing? In, is the camera? I am I going to? Am I, gonna, get ner- am <laughs> I, I in get, an to You more
4: nervous when I mean, you there's know, there's like, more on your shoulders. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you know, without like turning it into you know, putting to find a point on it, I think like I directed a tel- episode of television for the first time this year and I feel really comfortable on sets I love being on set like I love being on other people's sets like I come to other people's sets and I act like it's my set and I, <laughs>
0: I, I like spoils. spoil plot points I'm thinking about it she took a photo of the monitor we were on set for the um, big arrow flash everything crossover last season and she took a photo of the monitor and posted it and it was like every superhero together on screen for the first someone time someone was ever. in a wedding dress
4: I don't know and I don't know what people put it on her I mean she put it on her
0: Instagram's and I was like, oh, sorry, it's Aisha Tyler's first time on a TV set. Yeah. <laughs> I,
4: this. I just it was like, I, when I, I I had some chips, I fucking kicked it in the video village. It was like, it's my show. When I go to we set, were I feel drinking. comfortable, yeah. I feel very comfortable <laughs> on set. But when you walk on set and you are the person who has to answer all of the questions and you have to have an answer for everything, which I think is a false construct. So if people are listening and they're like, oh, I'm, I'm anxious about moving forward in my life because I'm afraid I'm not going to have all the answers. No one really actually has all the answers. Um, But your anxiety is is heightened when your name is the biggest name on the back of the most important chair. And a part of the creative process is discovering things as you go along and you need to leave space for that. But what people want from you is definitive answers at every minute of the day. I think that's when the anxiety can get really kind of like foundational.
5: Yeah. I hope this doesn't sound like a generalized question, but do you feel the added pressure as a woman on a side? Because even just a female actor, I sometimes feel like, okay, I gotta have my shit extra together because there's not a lot of not a lot of us uterists in there.
0: Um Um, I I do, and I'm surrounded by a lot of men. Um Julie is on the show with me, but other than Julie, all the executive producers are men, and Julie has another show that she's working on. So she's not around very much. So like I'm the voice that people are listening to. And sometimes people literally are not used to listening to a woman's voice. We called it on the, on the set of the Roswell pilot. um, Our DP said, Julie was like, I just, people aren't hearing me. They're not listening to me. And our DP was like, they're not used to hearing you as like your dad voice yet was how he put it. And what it is, is what he, how he described it. I liked it. It was dad, not mom, Mm -hmm. by the way. Mm -hmm. But as he described it, it was like, when you're used to listening for what your boss wants, you're, you can pick their voice out in a crowd. Mm-hmm. Like, I could pick Julie's voice out in a crowd of a million mm-hmm. um, because I'm used to being like, oh, Julie's here, what does she need? What, like, You know, what what brilliant advice is coming at me in the next five minutes? But the entire crew was so used to hearing a male voice as a director that they literally weren't hearing her. Mm-hmm. Like, her, their ears weren't trained for it. And that's how I feel sometimes where I'm like, Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I know I sound and talk like a 17 year old girl, but I'm your boss. So <laughs> shut up and let me finish my sentence uh-huh. yeah. because I have the answer. I have the, the instruction and I just need you to listen to it. So like right. even just getting people to right. listen to me and to hear me is like hurdle number one as uh, a woman. Wow. And then you've got to convince them that you're right.
5: Yeah. Um, there, was a,
4: there was a study that was just in the New York Times. I think it was in the New York Times or the Washington Post this week about the way that women talk now versus the way that we spoke 50 years ago. And that the 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 movement of women into the workplace has actually changed the timber of our voices, that women actually speak at a lower register now than we did 50 years ago.
0: You and I are both bosses. You and I are both bosses and we both have like deep man voices. I have I'm
4: straight
3: testicle.
4: (laughs) It's all the way inside of me. And I mean, part of that's who I am. But part of it is. You know, we are socialized, I think, and I don't, I'm not blaming anybody. I think this is cultural. We're socialized to be like, guys, guys, could you just, if you could, it would be great. I'm sorry, I don't want to be a dick. Everything is a question. I was on a call, I was on a business call today, and I was like, I don't want to be a dick, Uh but this is my project. And they were like, You're not being a dick. This is your project. We're so used to being like, I don't want to be an asshole. I'm just trying to be, and so, and that's like woven into the fabric of every single cultural touch point that affects us as women from the time we're babies. It's something we have to like radically undo every day, um, but it's also woven into a way that men are socialized. And so, you know, like for me, when people weren't listening to me, um, like I went through a lot of different stuff. Like, how do I talk to this person to get them to hear me? Um, if I start yelling at them, I look like I'm not disciplined and I don't have control or of the, over the set or over my feelings. And I just started pulling people aside. I mean, like, this isn't fucking working for me, man. Which is not really a, f- a feminine way of dealing with things. Um, but it was very effective. And mm-hmm. I think when I was like, I, I I can see you not fucking listening to me and this cannot continue. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for the three hours I had to work my way up to that conversation at home, I was like. Wah. Practicing so, it in the mirror. Yeah, yeah.
0: And I
5: just, <laughs> yeah. Urinating on myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's how I talk to my two and a half year old when I'm really frustrated and <laughs> I know that she's not listening to me. I go we need to go have a private conversation. Well, by the way, that will serve you very well <laughs> yeah. in every work <laughs> environment. That's the way to get We're Every,
0: done. like, adult male and your three-and-a-half-year-old yeah. <laughs> Exactly.
5: <laughs> How did it. you two meet?
0: How did we meet Karina Adley-McKenzie? Um, I think, well, the first time we met was, uh, so my roommate and one of my best friends, Emily Bett-Ricards, who's on Arrow, met Aisha. Aisha hosted a panel. I hosted an Aero pan- a combined
4: Arrow uh, Flash panel
0: for the Paley Fest. And Emily like fell madly in love with Aisha and then Emily would come home to LA and be like okay, I'm going to have brunch with Aisha and then I'll see you after that. And I was just like, why do I never get invited to brunch oh. with Aisha? <laughs> I literally I? like, it really like, I, I was like, well, am I just not cool enough for brunch with Aisha? But I think Emily was making sure she was cool enough for brunch with Aisha before she like <laughs> oh brought in the family. A ridiculous but the Aisha. real time that we first hung out was we all went to the golden globes after parties a few years ago. And it yeah, was, right. this is such a like snobby fucking story. I, I, hate it. It. I love it. That the floor is
4: clear. Cause it's going to be filled with dropped mics. Yeah.
0: <laughs> (laughs) The, the year this year was the first year they were like like you had to like take a get in a long line and then take a special bus to get to the hotel with the golden globes and we were like fuck that we're not getting in this long ass line where people were waiting for like Two hours. Very, very, very famous people waiting in line it's for, like, two hours. Always
5: in a parking so glamorous. structure not like,
4: Century City. They were like, park your car here a thousand miles away and then wait for this bus. And then what happened was a bus would go by filled with people. And you'd be like, oh, shucks. And then another bus would go by filled with people. And you're like, okay, this is fucking bullshit. Yeah. We,
0: we end up, like, going to the side door of the, the hotel where they host the Golden Globes. And we're, like, begging a security guard to let us in. We're with Mel B., scary spice oh, what? Else? it was like it was, it was like the most all of a sudden there were like kardashians there mm-hmm. like we were just like just let us in and like, we're like, we have tickets we're
4: on i mean the... that
2: would be intimidating yeah. he, it was, he almost would have to was, it, yeah. was, it was it was but he didn't he,
4: he wasn't he wasn't he oh, didn't. He did it? it didn't like, work
2: i um, mean
0: eventually how did who got us I'll in eventually what happened?
4: <laughs> uh melby's allegedly wife abusing crazy husband started screaming at a cop uh allegedly, and then allegedly <laughs> was like really verbally abusive, <laughs> and then allegedly got us into the party. And oh I was like, God. Well, he was good for one thing. <laughs>
5: <laughs> oh my gosh.
0: Well, we got into the party. Yeah. And
5: then you guys became best friends. And then Yeah, we, became
0: we, we actually became really <laughs> close. A bunch of us went to uh Coachella together last year. Yeah. And we had all been like friendly, but we went to Coachella together and we were like, these are our people. Yeah. Yeah. Um
4: yeah. And, and I think we had like a very we, we, it was, like, a lot of closeness that weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Coachella yeah. makes friends, y'all. We, <laughs>
0: none of us were, like, really Coachella people. Like, I think we were all... No, it was all my first Coachella. We were. I, mean, I yeah, was definitely I was like, my first is, Coachella. Like, it might have been my last hippies Coachella. hippies are not my thing, uh, yeah. but whatever. Let's see how it goes. Um, I'm like, I go to stagecoach. Um, <laughs> but we all became really, really close friends, and then... It's we. There's a whole group of us and everybody are, in our group of friends are artists and they're people that work really, really, really hard and are just like hustling all the time. But over the last year or so, we've like really prioritized spending quality time together, whether that's like Aisha's got a film screening in Austin and I'm in Atlanta and I'm going to fly to Austin for the weekend and Jared's going to fly to Austin mm-hmm. and we're going to like make the most of our time or Emily's in a play this weekend and we get on a plane to go see each other and it's uh not always easy it's sometimes like we're literally getting on a plane to Vancouver for one night Mm -hmm. but it's an event that's important to somebody so we do it and it's you know it's we come from such a place of privilege because we can afford to get on a plane but it
5: you take the time to do it yeah and that's something we were so impressed with is is the people that usually I would come across with who are incredibly busy, don't have a social life right. at all. And so it was you so guys. refreshing to see that you guys are, are in, involved in each other's lives, supportive of each other's lives, very hardworking and still know how to enjoy all the hard work. Well, It's interesting actually, like trying to kind of translate what feels pretty
4: rarefied to like what mm-hmm. people are listening, who are listening might be able to like incorporate into their own lives. Like, the, the upshot of all of this is that we, we were and it's it's magical. It's not like we, arch, you know, we kind of architected it. That's not a word, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Drafted it Um, it, that we found people who are all like we all admire each other and we all do something different. You know, we're in the same yeah. business, but we're all a little different. But one thing we all remark on when we're talking about it is like we come to each other for advice, we ask each other about what our work lives are like. We want to hear from each other what their art the other person's creative opinions are about the work we're doing. And it's a very honest group and it's a very supportive group. And it what I have found is that this group of friends has made me a better artist. It's made me better at my job. And I think a lot of times when you're friends with someone and maybe you're not in the same line of work, you just don't really ever ask them like real probing questions about how they're doing. I'm like, how hey, know I'm fine. But you're like what like what's going on in your life what are you, you know, or I'm going through this challenge. Like, what would you do? I, maybe we feel like we're going to burden our friends with these questions. But like, I have something I'm working on at work and, um, and it, it, I was like really struggling with it. And I was like in the car with Jared the other night and I was just like, look, I have to do this thing at work and like, tell me what you think. Mm-hmm. And he just gave me like his honest, open opinion. And I just think like, I'm really lucky. These people are super fun to party with. But <laughs> what I, what the core of the group is like people who are supportive of each other's endeavors and are willing to actually put energy into making each other better and are getting the same energy back yeah you don't have to get on a plane to do that no. You know what i mean like uh-huh. you can do that for your friends in a, in a meaningful way and,
0: and, and by not the way be threatened by them i don't think that it's a coincidence that like the i've been close to these people for a year ish and it's been the best year of my life professionally because i think that having people who one, I know I can be like, guys, I cannot come to dinner. I have to go do this work. Then thing. we harangue her for an you, hour. We're not supportive, me- like we call her a party pooper. I throw like a birdie bag. Of you poop call at me a house. party pooper. You call me terrible things. I call her way worse <laughs> things than that. Actually, but yeah. the thing is, is like these are people who who know what it's like to have to skip the fun and work, and they're, they're they give me shit in jest, but like there I have no feeling that like I might lose a piece of this friendship or like they might have so much fun without me that they forget to invite me to the next thing which is how I have always spent my life worrying about like trying to keep friends I don't have to worry about that anymore I feel like I have an unbelievable safety net of people that have my back no matter what and Mm it's it's a very weird and overwhelming feeling Mm -hmm. I was at upfronts this year, and it was. I mean, I've done upfronts as a journalist instead of the Upfronts,
4: everybody out there is when all the networks announce the lineups for their fall season. And the reason they call it upfronts is because they try to sell a lot of advertising upfront. And they get big commitments from advertisers and it's the way that they kind of pay their bills for the year and they and they sell like a bulk
0: advertising at a discount. <laughs> Up front sound very sexy, but they're
4: just like we got a big event.
0: It's a big event that just is sort of like the big launch of the show from from my perspective. And it, it's this is my it's first, a big deal. It's a big yeah. This is my first yeah. show and I'm there with the cast and I'm like trying to be a leader but i'm also freaking out cuz there's a,
5: a lot of big parties all mm-hmm. the executives are there all the executives are there like,
0: there's fans outside in the street dining. it's really crazy and i was very nervous and Stephen, who has done this a million times and is the fucking king of the CW, Stephen Amell. Stephen mm-hmm. Amell, who's the king of the CW. Sorry, Jared and Jensen. Um, <laughs> Duke, I don't know. I'm Duke in so much trouble. Duke. There's no way that I'm
1: not in
4: Duke trouble. It, well, Duke and Duchess. Um, Duke and Duchess. He's, he's one of our.
0: He's one of our best friends. And that guy was glue at my side all weekend, and was just like made sure I met the right people, made sure I went to the right things, made sure you know they're they're like oh she's not she's not talent she doesn't need to be backstage and he's like oh yes she is and oh yes she does Mm -hmm. and you know having somebody who's been through it before has was so valuable to me i mean the level of anxiety that went away was unbelievable and like you know we're gonna we're working on making movies together we're working on like weird indie stuff that we're gonna do together we've got plans all of us are going to on vacation together for Christmas. Like, it really is a chosen family more than I've ever had one before. But, like,
4: also just quickly, like, the thing I like about Stephen doing all those things for you that I think, again, is, like, applicable to people out there is, like, and I, I just, so I just called someone who's a showrunner to ask them for some advice. And I was like, I know you're super busy, but I'm working on a project and it's like in your space and I would just love to get your advice. And he's like, I got to tell you something. People just rarely ask me for advice because they think that I'm super busy. And I'm just people did this for me when I was younger and I'm dying to do this for somebody. Oh, wow. So we had like this 90 minute breakfast that I just like inside was like plotting because I love this guy and he's amazing and brilliant. And I was like, I can't believe I'm getting all this time with him. And then what I was what he was saying was like, you don't realize. And what you, what I was just hearing from you was like people don't realize like when that like being like generous of I've got, I'm, this is a greeting card like being generous of spirit is like so it like pays you so much harder than it pays the person you're being generous to oh, mm-hmm. like for him he's like it's so great to be talking about these things like you're helping me reorganize the way that I see my own job you're helping me see things about what I do and what you're doing that like I wasn't really pondering because I was just too busy like with my head down trying to get my job done and so like you know, like, without, like, saying, hey, go pick a mentor, but, like, being generous with someone else, like, with you're talking to someone else is always, like, wildly rewarding. So, like, Stephen got as much out of, like, doing those things for you. And I don't mean in a crass way. Just... He's a generous. He's a, he's a generous I paid guy. Him. Yeah. He's a generous guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it's just there's something really groovy about being able to say, "Hey, I learned all this stuff, and now I'm super excited to share it with you." Because I remember what it felt like to be terrified at this thing. So so
2: far, I'm getting surround yourself with a great group of people that inspire you and support you, even if you can't make it, mm-hmm. and then also. Um, Find a mentor. Find yeah. mentor Someone, or or a mentor mult, or be a mentor. Or be a mentor. Or be a mentor and
4: dump people who don't add value. I know that mm. sounds really mean. No, that's. Um, and I know it sounds like, well, I'm not saying like if your friend can get into a nice restaurant, dump them. I'm saying when you have people who like <laughs> but make also... you feel, feel depleted when they're gone, when like they always need something from you and they never can give. huh you know some people are make you elated to be around them and then you realize that they're kind of like soul sucking but if they make you elated then they added value uh-huh. you know what i mean like yeah. elation being around someone can be value uh-huh.
3: My issue
5: is that I just hide in like at the upfronts. My goal is not to, which it should be. I should be out there saying hello and, and putting myself out there and being open to opportunity. And instead I'm like, I just want to sit in the corner. I don't, I'm very nervous to look anyone in the eye. I'm going to say something wrong. I'm going to (laughs) forget that person's name. I'm going to like, they're going to ask me a question and I'm going to not have anything interesting to say. I'm going to offend someone in, which is can really hold you back in a but career. Everybody's I'm assuming. I think
4: that's everybody's inner monologue all the time. I feel that way totally. I, so fight every, the inner monologue. Yeah, every
0: time I speak at one of those things, my brain is going, Why did you say that? <laughs> Shut up, Karina. Like they don't want to hear your dumb joke. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but I always everybody. interject with the dumb joke. I, I always joke. do. <laughs> They're
4: super dumb.
5: Um, you kind of have to put on that like Wonder Woman like persona of like I got this, you know, right? Like this this battle armor into it, or no? Am I just or maybe, way overthinking? Maybe you can't it?
4: get like you can't get return without output. You just can't. You know yeah, what I mean? You just can't. Well it's like no risk, no reward. So like. You know, I've been in that. I've been in that CW room. I mean, that specific room, you know, where it's like everybody's super hot and fancy and you're like, oh, my outfit's on a school's out. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's so like my high school nightmare. Not yeah, and cool. it happens like every year. And like, is this the year that this doesn't make me feel like shit? But maybe like the alternative is just like, fuck, I have to be here. I might as well get something out of it. Maybe I do offend somebody. Maybe they don't like my outfit. Who gives a shit? Yeah. These people are not my, there's not my, they're not my friends or not my family. I mean, in the way of like, Like, if if it goes great, great. If it doesn't go great, like, I haven't lost anything. You know what I mean?
0: I have a story that leads to some, like, some pretty good advice, I think. Um, The first time that I ever interviewed somebody as a journalist, it was Kevin Williamson. And... Anybody who has ever met me knows that I'm like the biggest Dawson's Creek fan ever in the world. I learned that television writing was a thing by watching an interview he did when I was like 11. For, For those dogs, who don't know Kevin. Casey, yeah. Kevin. <laughs> Kevin Williamson wrote Dawson's Creek. He wrote the Scream movies. He wrote a little show called The Vampire Diaries. Oh, yeah. yeah. And many other um, and awesome hits. A million other things. Um, but my first ever interview was with him and my mom gave me advice beforehand. It was just a phone interview. It was like, now I look back on it. I think it was like a 10 minute phoner for the CW. And now I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe that I like prepared <laughs> for this for weeks ahead. Um, but my mom gave me advice. She said, if you're nervous, say it out loud. Uh-huh. So the first thing that I said on this interview was like, you've got to forgive me if I'm stuttery and nervous because I'm a huge fan and I'm nervous. And then the nerves just went away. Yeah. And I've taken that to heart for the, my entire career. So even now when I sit down, I'm the boss in the room. I don't need to to remind anybody that I'm the boss in the room. Usually, sometimes I do. <laughs> but like I sit down and I'm like, look, this is my first time at bat. I have a, I'm going to have a lot of questions. I'm going to have some answers, but I'm going to have a lot of questions. Um, feel free to ask me your questions. But I know that I don't know everything. So I go into it saying, look, I'm at a disadvantage here. I'm a little nervous. Go into the upfronts thing being like, this is my first time. It's crazy that I'm in this room. And I'll say that out loud to whoever is listening. And then it takes the, the, um, the pressure off a little bit because you're just like, I just said out loud that I don't feel like I belong here. So nobody expects me to look like I belong here. So when I do make a good joke and people think it's funny and cool, they're like, oh, Okay, that's mm-hmm. what I was going to say. Know?
2: Even admitting that makes you endearing as mm-hmm. the listener, and then instantly we're all rooting for you.
0: Mm-hmm. I just want to present myself as an underdog all the time. Yeah. That's okay?
2: great. It <laughs> just is
4: part part you from trying
0: to be cool. Like you immediately yeah. are like, okay, uh-huh. I don't have to try to be cool anymore. It's, it's not impossible. Cool. It's impossible to feel cool in a room full of people who have been doing whatever it is that you do a lot longer than you, and who have been doing it. Or in a different way, you know, in front of a camera. People mm-hmm. who are used to being in front of a camera to me, I'm like, I'm terrified. I hate that there's a camera on me. Um So
2: own who you are. Own who you and are. Say it aloud, yeah. even if it helps. Though.
0: And also don't be afraid, this is and this is another thing. Don't be afraid to be excited when you're excited. I think sometimes I people are trying so hard to be cool mm-hmm. and so hard not to look around that they like forget to be grateful and forget to be present. Be they miss about what's happening, yeah. regardless, it's like of, a regardless, regardless of
4: joyless way of working. Regardless of where well.
0: you are or what your thing is, like when you achieve the little goal that you were looking to achieve this time, it doesn't have to be the huge thing. It can just be like. I got through that meeting, okay? I'm excited. I walked in the door to Candace's house today and I was like, I just came from a pitch. I think I nailed it. Where's the wine? I'm stoked. (laughs) Um, Because, you know, you don't nail a pitch every day and you should be able to have some rose with your friends when you do. Agreed.
2: The right hire can make a huge impact on your business. We wouldn't be as successful as we are right now without the producers that we hired to help us with this podcast. But finding the right people can be hard. Instead of just posting on a job board, which most people don't check, post your job to a place where people go every day to make connections, grow in their career, and discover job opportunities. LinkedIn. Most LinkedIn members haven't recently visited the top job boards, but 9 out of 10 of them are open to new opportunities. 70% of the U.S. workforce is on LinkedIn, so it is the best way to get your job opportunity in front of people who are qualified for your role and ready for something new. It's the best way to find the right person who will help you grow your business. That's why a new hire is made every 10 seconds using LinkedIn. Hurry to LinkedIn.com slash challenged and get $50 off your first post. That's LinkedIn.com slash challenged with a D to get $50 off your first job post. LinkedIn.com slash challenged. Terms and conditions apply.
5: I have the worst time trying to fall asleep. I just keep going through all the things that I have to do the next day. Do you have trouble sleeping? Are you like me? Well, guess what? We are not alone. And sleep is unfortunately essential to our health and happiness. Well, that's why we are so excited to partner with Calm, the number one app for sleep, meditation, and relaxation. It was named App of the Year by Apple last year. And if you head to calm.com challenged, you'll get 25% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of premium programs, including sleep stories, bedtime tales for grown-ups, designed to quiet your mind and relax your body. So head to the lab fields of France with Stephen Fry, or explore New Zealand with Jerome Flynn from Game of Thrones, you'll also get access to guided meditations on topics like anxiety, stress and sleep, soothing music, and a whole lot more. So for a limited time, Directionally Challenged listeners can get 25% off a Calm Premium subscription at calm.com challenged. That's C-A-L-M dot slash challenged. with a d it includes unlimited access to all of calm's amazing content that will have you drifting off to dreamland in no time so get started today at calm.com slash challenged then get to sleep what was the what was this thematic thing
4: that we were supposed to be circling Um,
5: (laughs) (laughs) it really rooted actually from something that you told me about a week or two weeks ago Mm -hmm. at like 2.30 2.30 in the morning. So late at night. We're,
4: we were like so connected. It was really great. We were all at Julie, yeah.
0: Julie Plex's birthday party, which was like a teen prom themed Which thing. is the best adorable. theme by the way. We had so much fun. In my all Instagram
4: feed, there was a balloon cloud which I need in my room. Yeah. Like I need it in my bedroom now. It was so great.
0: There are Polaroid photos of Kayla and her husband making out under the bleachers that yeah. are my literal um, favorite thing ever. Thanks to
2: Colton <laughs> because
3: yeah. he
2: was the one. Colton and... will
4: take a picture of you on, your, on the toilet. Like yeah. You have to always be looking for he, Colton. He he it
2: took it so seriously and was such a creative director and was like, no, 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 get by under the bleachers and I'm going to shoot it like this. And we were like, OK. And then he shows it to us. I'm like, that's one of my favorite photos I've ever taken. Oh, so it, was so it's the best. it was so good It was so great. much fun. We were sitting by the pool and Aisha, you told me you have
5: no idea what's going to happen in your life. No. Like no. you have no idea what. Is, could possibly happen nope. in your life. You don't Never. know what's going to happen nope. next. Nobody does. And it just brought me back to that feeling that I don't know how I lost it along the way of thinking that I was supposed to know mm-hmm. and thinking that I should have it figured out. And I, for some reason, have the ability to control it and started reframing my way of thinking of, oh yeah, no, you can, you work towards goals, but mm-hmm. you have to be open to whatever life is going to give you. And it just really smacked me in the head and made me realize like, I've been focusing on all the things that I'm trying like to force to happen and that I expect to happen and I'm not even being open to what I couldn't even imagine could happen. Right,
4: right. Um I'm so I'm so glad that 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 affected you because I feel <laughs> like I well, I do feel like when I was in my 20s I had that same idea. I was like, you know, you have to have a plan, you execute the plan and then this happens and then you know, especially in this business where, you know, it's like it's a Sisyphean gig, right? Like you roll the rock up the hill and then something happens and you are slide right back to where you were before. Uh-huh. And that can just happen over and over again your whole career versus any other business where you kind of just, you know, you execute and you get promoted and dah, yeah. dah, dah, dah. Um, that w- when I let that go, um, it was very freeing because uh, paired with that thing of like, oh, I need to figure this out. Is this anxiety that there's something wrong with you that you haven't figured it out? Uh-huh. Um, and that can really be crippling, So then I just was like, I have no idea what's going to happen, and that should be interesting to me. It should be really interesting, but I don't know what's going to happen. And again, I can work towards goals. But I have but I, I mean, I have to be open to the fact that I might need to pivot and that the pivot might be more interesting yeah. than the plan.
2: And speaking of, I feel like you have pivoted so many times in your life. Or is it just that you've always worn so many hats?
4: No, I mean, where I am now is not at all where I set out to be. And um, like I used to talk a lot on my own podcast about like the idea of like moving the goalposts, like you need to continuously be moving the goalposts and like reassessing your values. And sometimes you're moving them forward and sometimes you're moving them in a different direction. But like when I graduated from college, I wanted to be a lawyer and then... Good job. Um, yeah, super fun job. <laughs> good time. Super good time. And then, you know, like, started doing stand-up, like, as a hobby, and then want, just wanted to be a working stand-up. Didn't want to be on TV, and then, you know, got a TV job, and then was like, this is all I need. I don't want to be an actor. And then I got an acting job. And it it wasn't like I fell into it. It wasn't like I got discovered on the couch at my buddy's house, uh-huh, you know? Yeah. um, it, But it, it was like, every time something interesting happened, then I pursued it. Sometimes it didn't... Lots of times it didn't go my way. And then when it did... I think I said something like you get this like kind of asymmetrical, ever expanding set of skills that expose you to new opportunities. I could not have been a director at twenty five. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I didn't want to, but I couldn't have been even if I wanted to. Things, ex- experiences I had since then made me more open to thinking, "Wow, I want to direct." And then I started to pursue that, and you know, in in little and in, in large ways. And then as I learned more then it became something that was available to me. And so I think we have this really linear way of thinking like, you go to school for this and then you do this job and then you go here, whatever it is, whether it's creative or not. But I really like polymathy. I like asymmetry. I like, you know, like, what can I do? Let me see. Well, I did that. I sucked at that. Fuck that shit. Oh, hey, I'm kind of good at this. Wouldn't it be great if I spent more time developing this skill set? And, you know, I mean, like with, I don't know. I mean, Karina, when when you were, you always loved TV, but you were a different kind of writer. And then like, loving these shows and then learning about these shows and then thinking, Oh, like with standup, I remember I saw Richard Pryor live in the sunset strip. I was like, okay, comedians just fall out of the sky, man. This is not a fucking job because that guy's a alien. <laughs> yeah. like, there's nobody like that guy. I could never even think of being like that guy, but then starting to do stand-up and getting exposed to other comics. All of a sudden I was like, well, I can never be him, but I can be my own version of that. But that's just something that
0: comes with time. Um, when I think time is the thing that I have to sort of like set aside, as far as when I get super anxious and I feel like I'm not achieving what I want to, the thing is, is like I think I set moving the goalpost and being like, okay, that's the next thing I want, but not putting a timer on it is what I'm kind of working on. I mean, I moved to LA ten years ago, and when I moved to LA ten years ago, I was like, if I'm not working on a TV show in five years. I'm out. I'm going and to that, die. I'm oh gonna, well, I don't love LA. So like, then I was like, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to stay in LA. I, I'll go live somewhere. I like, if I'm not doing what I want. Um, and so, and it was like almost five years. Like it was, it was almost to the day that Julie called me and was like, Hey, do you want to be writer? I mean, assistant? really? How and dare it, you? <laughs> I mean, but, but listen, but listen, when I said, I want to be working on a TV show in five years, I did not mean getting people's coffee. That wasn't what I was yeah. thinking. So, I'm at that point where I'm like, do I want to throw this whole journalism career that I've built that I'm pretty good at and that I like away to start from square one, getting people's coffee? Is that who I am? At twenty six, at twenty seven, because in my mind, twenty six and twenty seven was like I'm basically dying. Like <laughs> my world is ending. I'm old. When and you're, like, in
5: your young
2: twenties, thirties sounds so. I remember old. thinking oh all god. the time.
0: Josh Schwartz had his own show by the time he was twenty five. Oh my god! Like, the OC
2: lasted like five minutes. It was great for
0: like two seasons. It was like like he didn't. He wasn't fantastic at it right out of the gate. Now mm-hmm. he's fantastic at mm-hmm. it. But like, it's not like you. You know, I I. I set these timers for myself my mom was visiting literally last night and I'm driving in the car with my mom crying and I'm like I feel like I just wasted a year and a half of my life on this guy and it's not and she was like Karina you're 31 (laughs) like you have and I'm not I'm not like in a brush to have babies or anything so, so it was just like oh yeah I did waste a little time but I'm not out of time also
4: by the way without mentioning who this boy is um there were broad swaths of time where you were just getting laid and was a great <laughs> time, so you weren't wasting anything i'm sorry um, you were just drinking whiskey and boning yeah. i think that's a pretty good year and a half
0: okay
5: let's perspective moving
0: forward. anyway perspective. what i'm saying is what i'm saying is you look at i look at chunks of time and think about things that i thought i was going to have achieved by then like by the time my mom was my age, she had two kids. She had one, another one on the way. She was married. She was living in a house in Connecticut, like. And I look at that, and then I'm like, I feel like she was so far ahead of me. But none of those things are things I want. want. Exactly. So it's like a very hard, you know, thing to take a look at and be like, oh, like. I've achieved a lot of things that my mom didn't achieve by the time she was 31. But and when I set the next goalpost right now, I'm just real focused on like not fucking up what I have right now. That's my goal is like I'm holding. I feel like I'm like uh, like doing the egg drop in high school where you're like, oh, yeah. I've, I've got this little baby egg that I'm supposed to take care of and not drop. And that's what my TV show feels like is like, it's mine. Don't fuck it up. Um, and that's my big goal in life right now but like as I do set goalposts for myself moving forward I'm not gonna put a timer on it because that's when you life passes you by like I had the best year of my life with the best friends I've ever made and had so much fun and said yes to things and went on a million insane adventures because I wasn't like "Uh, but if I haven't gotten this thing done by this time then I'm gonna have failed at it you know, like, to having not achieved something big time you're 30. Like, those we're not mom, done yet, dude.
2: Anyway. It's That'd... also, like, that comparison trap. You can't yeah. Yeah. And compare your life to your mom's or to a friend's compare or to anyone because I mean, you yeah, can
0: it compare it to your ex-boyfriend's new girlfriend. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm Only doing a lot better. Because <laughs> no, you no, you're doing a lot better. Okay, yeah, okay, no, no, that's, right. that's, that's, that's a good that's reason, fine.
4: yeah. But, like, seriously, like... Like when I say moving goal or when you're talking about benchmarks, like they need to be yours. They need to be your benchmarks. Like they can't be like these weird societal, like I should be married and have a house. Like I owned a house for 15 years. It was very nice in a very nice neighborhood. I had a fancy car. I had a fancy place. And one day I woke up and I was like, I don't want any of this stuff. I don't want my stuff. And I got rid of all my stuff. I own like 15% of what I owned five years ago. And I'm so much happier now. And a lot of people be like, oh, my God, you're so old. Why don't you have a bunch of stuff? Where's all your stuff? Yeah. Like, I live in a web bedroom apartment. And people are like, when are you going to move to a real house? I'm like, I had a real house. It wasn't interesting to, to me. I wanted to have a real
0: house so I can sleep there. You can sleep on my
4: couch anytime you want. <laughs> I'm going
0: to sleep in your bed. I got Just TV dinners for to <laughs> days, yo.
4: Um, but, like, the idea that, like, I, like you feel anxious because you don't have the stuff that society is telling you you should have, like, you have to destroy that. Just yeah. it's like meaningless. It,
5: yeah, it, I hate the idea that I feel like I get so caught up in other people being like, "Oh my gosh, I'm just so busy. I'm so busy. I can't even sleep. I'm so busy. I'm so busy." I'm like, oh, I guess I should be so busy. Like no. actually, I don't want to be that busy. And I've said no yeah, to things like reject I, that yeah, total bullshit standard. I, I spent my time on hiatus traveling. I'm like so instead of like. Coming to L.A. And, th- and some people can be like, oh, wow, that was, you know, missed opportunities. But to me, it just filled my soul and made me feel more interesting. Dude, and- I'm
4: salivating when I hear you talk would- <laughs> about that. I would love to spend a hiatus just traveling. I'm so jealous. I want
5: to go
0: back to school. Like, I talk yeah. about that all the time. Like, when can I take a semester? Um, mm-hmm. Because my old boss, Mike Narducci, who's this really, really great guy. Um, I always call him Coach Taylor. He, uh, <laughs> uh, he had this thing where he would be like go home this weekend and like reef and like refuel basically like you your input influences your output and i forget that sometimes like sometimes you need to take a weekend and read a bunch of books Mm -hmm. or like you know learn about something you've never learned about and enrich yourself remind yourself of how good it feels to learn and to absorb and to take things in and then the output comes a lot easier Mm -hmm. i think as artists particularly we feel like we're supposed to keep putting things out even now I'm like I've got this show and I'm like every minute I have a break I'm either going like literally this weekend on my way to I went to Santa Fe to scout for my show and at the beginning of the flight this is a two-hour flight it's not a long flight the beginning of the flight they announced there's no wi-fi so the work that I had planned to do on the plane I couldn't do I had a book in my bag and I literally was like having an anxiety attack because I was like I don't have two hours to just sit here and read. I should have been doing this work. No, take your two hours and like relax and read the book. Mm -hmm. And I got so frustrated with myself later because I was like, why didn't I just like, instead I literally like angsted for two hours about the work that I should have been doing. And then I'm never going to finish that book. (laughs) (laughs) That book's going to sit there forever and you have to stop and absorb. And that's not just like, reading and watching things and learning it's like spending time with family sitting at a cafe somewhere new and watching people and i think that we forget about that because we feel like this we feel like we're in a race all the time mm-hmm. well, it I does feel, feel like, like a race, race. Yeah, yeah it's
2: hard not to compare to others and be like okay they're doing this and they're probably they only need eight hours of sleep so i should wake up earlier and only need six hours of sleep mm-hmm. and then Ugh, it's a whole thing.
4: And the thing about so busy Up is so busy, it, it's it's spe- it's specific to this business, but it's not unique to this business. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like in the entertainment business, that's like a mantra. Oh my God, I'm so busy, I'm so slammed. Um, but every, people get that everywhere. I mean, people hear that all over. You know, and, and I think it's, it's a city thing too.
0: I think it's yeah, like, a, it is like a. It's like a. I'm in New York, culture. I'm in LA. I'm supposed to be running from one thing to the next thing all of the yeah. time.
4: And
5: like. It's not a European thing, that's for sure. No. <laughs> yeah.
4: I was just in Europe and I was like, just so and I always love it there I'm like can I just sit here and like wear out this bottle of wine and like wear out this one bowl of french fries that I've been (laughs) eating for four hours you know it's just we don't do a good job here but uh, Karina you said the best thing which is input affects output you cannot be you cannot especially as an actor you cannot play human beings if you are not a human being Uh you've got to have experiences
0: anybody who's ever met me like laughs when I say this but I'm an a total introvert in that I I love people. I love being around people. I'm super social. I refuel when I'm alone. Mm-hmm. So like we went to the Kentucky Derby this year and at the end, we afterward, we got home and all of our friends were like, let's go to this bar, just like one last drink before the weekend's over. The sun's still up and I was like, Everyone get away from me. Yeah, we, we worked I on like, you, too. We were, I, like, they was were like, I was like, I was like, this car is taking me home. I don't care where it drops you off along the way, but this <laughs> car is taking me home. This because was a, this was a real spent... point of contention. I'm so <laughs> happy to it's hear you closest, it's breaking up the a, band. It's, it's the closest we've ever, but but my friends, we're, we love each other, and my friends are extroverted. My friends, like gain their their fire from being in a big group. And I love being in that group, but I refuel alone. In and my you know, room. that's a
4: medical. That's not like she's not talking about herself like it's her idea. Like yeah. introverts fill their batteries yeah. being alone, extroverts fill their batteries being uh with other people. And I am an extrovert and I'm like a clinical extrovert. So I love being alone. I actually really really like being alone. I can be alone for days at a time. I don't mind silence. I love to read. However, I will get slowly depressed over time. And then what makes me better is being around other people. Uh-huh.
0: And the opposite way.
2: Yeah. It's important to people know. People depress me. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important to know yourself enough to know how to refuel. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And also to
4: understand that maybe your way of refueling is not, again, this societal standard way of refueling. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm.
5: But thank goodness that you guys have each other and know each other well enough that mm-hmm. you guys that was be the closest we ever got together. to a fight though. that was we almost got a fight I was again. like you should get out of the car it was
4: really painful for me to lose one of us and I really was having a hard time I was like "Our synchronized swimming routine is not gonna work if there's not a number of us here this is not okay for me
0: it's funny too because like our, our group we're just like deeply codependent like yes. the FOMO is real like but and it's not like I'm afraid of missing out because I'm afraid you're gonna forget about me or like love me less it's just like I know you're having a Go great time. Don't have fun time. without me. You
4: guys are not allowed to have any fun without yeah, me. Yeah, it's really <laughs> terrible. Um, But I, I I, will say, like, like I, I don't want it to sound like we're gloating. Like, I feel super fortunate. Um, And one of the things that we do that I feel is, like, really lovely and, again, I'm missing, like, a green card is, like, everybody does a lot of, like, this is really gross.
0: It is everyone gross. Is I weird, know what you're going to say. Gloaty.
4: It's really, everyone does, like, a lot of, like, I, like we're telling people uh, that each other, we love each other, like, all the time sometimes like multiple times in one encounter like we'll be together and on a night like everyone will just go around me like I just need you know how much I love you how much I, fucking, how much I admire
0: you like, and this really is like not it. like adults. This none isn't of us like are fucking sus, you know like, what I mean in that relationship just yeah. friends and, yeah. this, and this isn't like I mean sometimes it is but it's not like drunk like I love you so much in a bathroom you know what I mean Like it's like crazy I grip your up, face
4: in like deep eye contact I love you it's like weird makes you uncomfortable I love like, you
0: yeah. I wake up to like long text messages from people that are like my life has been changed <laughs> because of you people and then I send one that's also I like guys I feel like my entire like I really, I genuinely feel like I achieved what I achieved this year. And this was a really big year for me work-wise. It was mm-hmm. hard. It was, there were a lot of tears. There was a lot of stress. Um, but I I climbed the ladder so hard. And I genuinely think it's because I had a safety net behind me that, like, made me feel like I could do anything. Mm-hmm. Like, I could take any risk. I could walk into this. I mean, I I walked into A meeting about Roswell, and I—that was like it was—it was a teen supernatural drama that was on in 1999. The CW's like, we want to remake Roswell. Karina, come in and pitch us your idea. And I walk in with a show about 30-year-old cowboys in the under the Trump administration with a lead that's the daughter of an illegal immigrant, and I'm like, oh, and also aliens. (laughs) And it was a huge risk. I was rolling the dice big time. And I felt like, well, you know what? I, and this was on a Friday. The next day, we I, I was going to Palm Springs, or that night, actually, I was driving to Palm Springs for our friend Cass's birthday. And I, was, I literally thought to myself, this is going to go terribly, but I'm going to have an awesome weekend with my friends. Uh-huh. So yeah. it's going to be fine. And I went in there and I pitched the craziest version of this show ever. And they bought it at the table. They were like, they didn't go away to talk about it. They were like, OK, we're doing this. How do we do this? When do we start? Wow. And I don't think I would have done that had I not been like, I have the wind in my sails. I, I have, like, I really had the wind at my back because of all of my friends. Nobody was going to let me fall that hard, mm-hmm. you know? And I think, like, one of the things that um, I, I
4: love about the way that we all interact, and I think, again, like, per people who are listening, like, it doesn't make you weaker, like tell someone you care about them. Like I think sometimes people do it. They don't do it because they feel vulnerable and yeah. they're afraid of being vulnerable. And we all have friends who like don't give us the love that we need. Like we all, I like I have had friends in my life and was talking about like, you know, cutting people who don't add value. Like I have friends who, like I really love them. You know, I just I love being around them. I think they're amazing. And they're just not able to be the kind of friend to me that I need. It doesn't make me angry. Um but there was one friend I had for a long time who I just thought like this person's never gonna do what I need them to do. But it's making me feel like I'm a I'm stupid or gullible that I love them in a way that they don't love me back.
0: Oof, you're speaking to me right yeah. now. My heart is hurting. <laughs> and yeah. so,
4: and it was, re- I really struggled. I really yeah. struggled because I really love this person and I and I needed them to like be better. And they just, I just had to realize they were never going to be better. They were never going to be the friend that needed to me. But I also had to stop like, devaluing my own feelings like my feelings are my own they're my feelings so I love you and I'm not gonna go like well you're stupid to love this person because they're never gonna be what you need them to be why are you so dumb and gullible your feelings are yours so I just love this person I stopped interacting with those as much because it was like yeah. hurting my feelings but I stopped beating myself up and so I guess my point is like if you love someone like expressing it freely is just like incredibly like it's like getting in. I don't know. It's like it's like spinning around like fucking, you know, like Wonder Woman. Like it makes you stronger.
5: And, I, and you can have healthy boundaries that protect yeah. your soul while still also caring it's, for someone else. Yeah, like
4: saying I love you and also saying to yourself, I need to protect myself. Like those can those can be, those aren't mutually exclusive. Yeah. So like, you know, like I just think like a free expression of how you feel some, about someone. Like if there's somebody you care about, like, you know, not even just in a relationship, friends, people say like I really care about you. You make my life better. Or, you've done this for me or you've affected me in this way. It doesn't really matter how they respond because that's not up to you and uh-huh. it's not a quid pro quo. Yeah. You know, like if you say it and then it's off your chest and it makes you feel good and present and whole and then whatever they give back to you, that's their responsibility, man. Like it doesn't have anything to do with you and maybe they're going to come back at you in a great way. Maybe they're not. But you just get to live and you get to be present on the planet in a full way.
5: Which also goes back to like being in a party where you feel uncomfortable and being like, you know what, guys, I'm just feeling nervous here. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is just who I am. And I'm yeah. putting it out there, heart open, and whatever you guys have to say back, doesn't whatever, matter, it doesn't right? matter. And
4: yeah. like you, I don't remember, just so you know, I never remember anyone's name ever the all the time I called someone I know very well the other day the wrong name we spent <laughs> like, we spent hundreds of hours of social time together I walked by a table together I was going to brunch and this guy's like hey Aisha and I was like hey and I was literally like do I, have we met I don't remember and he's like like he's like this many times and I was like so essentially I'm a dick yeah uh-huh. <laughs> just know that like I can't remember anything ever and it's just not my strong suit and I'm super sorry I could go around me like oh, I'm so stupid or I could just be like I this is just I'm not good at it and so I'm just gonna say bad things and be a big dummy. That's my jam. <laughs> I also I, spilling uh, wine on your couch. Is white it's couch. Okay. on your it's white just...
2: couch is also my jam. But no,
0: I'm
4: just You're wiping fine. up with my sweatpants I love
2: how much you guys own who you are. That's what happens when you get I, old. Yeah. <laughs> I am get... fresh as a daisy. Go yourself. So.
0: Ah! <laughs> um, I am still working on it, but I I, I honestly have re- that's really like been the thing. I mean. When I think about how long Candace and I have known each other, it's been almost, it's probably nine years now we've known each yeah, other. Oh God, and I look amazing, back at how though. nervous I was at all those early interactions, just like wanting to seem cool enough and uh-huh. wanting to, to not be the person who people are like, well, why, who let her in? But what's...? And I think we all were feeling like that at that time. And yeah. we all looked at ourselves and we were all like, am I cool enough to be in this room? And I don't feel that way anymore. I just decided to be like, if I was invited into the room, it's because I'm supposed to be in the room. And it doesn't mean that I have to be the same kind of cool as everybody else in the room. And it doesn't mean that I have to have things figured out as every, as figured out as everybody else in the room. Um, I also spent a lot of my childhood and my adolescence feeling like I took up too much space, like emotionally and physically. And just like I have a loud voice. I, people were always telling me I was very loud when I was a kid. And I... I stopped talking. You're a fucking delight. I stopped talking for a really long time. I started feeling like every everything oh, wow. I said wasn't wasn't wow. supposed to
5: be. You feel said. also like being tall because I remember yeah. I was always taller than a lot of my friends. I literally I, like, had physically my felt like a lot I took of leaning, up space. A lot of, a lot lot of hunching. hunching. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
4: me too. And wow. I stood up, I stood up straight like a year I, ago. Yeah, <laughs>
1: that's still just don't. happening
4: now.
0: Yeah. But now I'm just like fuck. One, I have Aisha, so I have a tall friend to stand yeah. next to. I just she's got, she's her. got a
4: much bigger. just got like a totem pole now. You wearing heels? No, exactly. lightning's hitting me first. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, but I really I've stopped feeling like my space doesn't belong to me and I still have to remind myself of that sometimes I think that there are but it's not it's not about me now it's about sometimes other people make me feel like I'm taking up too much space and I have to acknowledge that that's Their problem, and they can go. Do you have absolutely? Do you have
2: advice for our listeners who are also going through that of something that you've done that helps when you're in those situations?
0: I don't really know. It was just such a long process. Like, and I think that not expecting yourself to feel great about everything all of the time, owning your nervousness. Oh, not being afraid to be asking the question like I never pretend I know something that I don't know mm-hmm. i I make a point in you know all these meetings I'm sitting around with like six-year-old dudes who have been doing this stuff forever and I'm like I'm there's going to be stuff that I don't know I'll ask but when I am sure I'm sure I don't pretend that I I know my, the answer if I don't but what so when I when I give you an answer that's mm-hmm. my answer mm-hmm. um And I think finding people who really love you, and I'm talking about friends, but I'm also talking about mentors, like Julie Pleck turned me into the person that I am today. She found me as this like scared kid who, I I mean, I can't even, I can't even recognize that girl when I think about my first dinner with her Um, and how nervous I was and how I was just like talking and talking and talking. And couldn't believe that she'd invited me to we went to like katsuya in in hollywood and kevin Williams and stopped by I just stopped by <laughs> and i was i was like blown away and i'm sitting at this dinner being like shit i can't even split the bill because i will overdraft my bank account like that's that was like where i was in life and at the end of the dinner she said to me you know you should be a storyteller and i was a journalist you know and I, I was writing like little interviews with people like Candace and, you know, and I was loving it. I had such, I was so happy and, but they, I wasn't telling my story. I was telling somebody else's story and she just said, you should be a storyteller. And that was moment one. That was the first time when I was like, Oh, there's a space that I'm supposed to occupy. And finding that was what it, what, what changed it. And I really look back on that girl and I do not recognize her. And I, but it wasn't like in a day I learned how I just slowly had to become more comfortable with myself. I wish I had some kind of magic advice, but my advice is the same as Aisha said, I think cut people out that make you feel like you're invading a space that doesn't belong to you when it does belong to you Mm -hmm. and figure out what space is yours, you know? And that doesn't mean, um, you have to have achieved all of your things. Like I figured out that I wanted to tell stories long before I got my hands on uh, you know, or got my a seat in a writer's room mm-hmm. um but as an artist and as a creator, you can make art and create art, however, yeah, you don't need your soul that. feel right, and so I was like, okay, I'm a writer, and mm-hmm. I'm gonna be a writer and and then start writing start start yeah. writing like
4: don't don't wait for permission from other people to be an artist, you know what I mean like I think that's something that you know we do. Culturally, I think women especially do it like, well, you know, I haven't, I done just if you want to be a writer, just start writing. If you want to be Mm a painter, just start painting. I mean, like you can make art and you'll find that actually 90% of it will be satisfying to you without anybody ever seeing it. Like you have to be invested in you. And the other piece of advice that I give all the time and I wrote a whole book about it was like, don't be afraid to fail. Like, I know that sounds like another greeting card saying, but I feel like the number of people have come up to me and they're like, I want to be a comic, but I'm afraid I'm going to fail. Or to be a writer, I'm afraid I'm going to fail. I'm like, well, you are. You're going to fail. Because everybody fails. Everybody fails and we fail repeatedly. And in fact, you cannot get any better without failure. Nobody does something great and thinks like, I've got to improve. You know, like, fucking follow that bitch's starts. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Like, failure is what makes you grow. It makes you creatively tough. makes you resilient. And also fear of failure is why people never start. So you have to start. And stipulate to the fact that it's probably not going to go your way, and then it's not going to go your way, and then it's not going to go your way, and then it is going to go your way. And success is not the absence of failure. It's persistence, constant persistence through failure. And that failure is really what shows you what your strengths are. And the more times you kind of fall down, the more you realize that falling down is not going to kill you. Because, you know, the first time you think, like, what if I marry myself? What if everybody knows? Am I going to die? And then you don't
0: die. And the world keeps turning. Yeah,
4: and you keep getting up in the morning and they're like, oh, that wasn't that bad. And I don't really give a shit what that guy thought anyway. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think, and and I say this, like, this is a, a weird story to say out loud, but... Um, I'm saying it because I think that like people can look at our Instagrams and think that we're like living this awesome life all of the time, and that everything's great all of the time, and that I had pink I eye. I have... I just got over pink eye. I had awesome like, iPad. pink <laughs> eye for In ten France? days.
4: just cleared no. up. I went on a trip to France. I got immediately got pink eye. Who that. wants to have sex with me? Come on, get at this. Yeah, I mean, crazy. I oh swollen, can't see pink eye. So oh yeah, my God. living that, living I that was, dream. Last yeah. night I
0: was telling my mom a story about. Uh, friend that I was got into a, a fight with recently and was I it me said, because I wanted you to come drink <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> probably and I I said and I this came out of my mouth before I really heard it and then I was like Jesus Christ I said he made me feel ugly and I was like fuck I can't believe that I would let somebody else make me yeah. feel that way because I didn't say I was ugly. I said, he made me feel ugly and that's on him. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that like, that's the thing that I've learned over the course of, of a very, very long struggle with like feeling good about myself and feeling good in my skin and feeling good with the sound of my voice. And the way that I talk is like, I'm not ugly. He made me feel ugly because he feels ugly. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like, and I really, I I was proud of myself for just for phrasing it that way, but it would have, t- it took me a long time as a kid. I definitely would have been like, but I'm ugly. Mm-hmm. Uh. Um, and it was, yeah, I I thought about it like it was so good to have my mom here. You guys like <laughs> these like long conversations with my mom. We went to a broad Stewart and Cindy Lauper concert, and You're I'm literally cool. like Shout sitting. And I'm literally yeah. talking to her about all this stuff, like while like old people are dancing around <laughs> oh, us. Like She's so like, so my song fun. is on. I don't know why you brought me here. If you don't want to actually watch the concert. Forever Young is playing. Yeah. And my mom's like, okay, okay, but like I I had to, you have to sort of do that thing. It's like what's on them and what's on me. Yeah. Also, because... why am
4: I giving this other person any real estate? Yeah. So much and, any real and, estate. And,
0: and because you're sort of like you have to have to realize what's coming from outside your people mm-hmm. like this isn't my people because mm-hmm. like, my people don't make me feel ugly. my people would never my make people me feel send me way. long text messages about how much they miss my face. Mm-hmm.
5: Like- <laughs> I love all these wonderful stories about how you guys support each other emotionally creatively uh, I mean, I thought we were just going to be talking about and then you set these goals and then these are the things you work to do it. And I love that it turned into a big love fest of yeah. that really is what feeds the soul and can ultimately drive creativity, regardless of what industry you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, just feeling like a comp person. Mm-hmm.
0: And we know it's rare and we know we're lucky. I mean, we have like a, a bunch of people online who like think our friendship is fake oh, and for, so p- for publicity. <laughs> I kind of love it because there's these people <laughs> who are like, they're a fake group of friends. This, they just want publicity. This
4: online was like, you're not real friends because you didn't tweet about so-and-so's something something. What? And we're like, you know why? Because we're talking to that bitch in her face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. You know, I mean, We had a real yeah. conversation about
4: that... it that wasn't on display for you, TR70 AA
0: <laughs> Twitter. <laughs> (laughs) but I love that people like look at our friendship and they're like it's so great it can't be real it's like our friend Cass she was like guys I got the best compliment today somebody said that I looked photoshopped in a picture and I was like if they think it's fake it's awesome (laughs) I I mean just to put a point on it like
4: I really think that like you know you're talking about like no matter what field you're in like I feel like people may be like I don't have friends like this you probably do you Mm -hmm. probably do have friends like this you probably have one friend like this at least And maybe you're not, um, you're not like at peak friendship. So
5: like just
4: dig into that friendship. Tell that person that you love that you love them. It takes time. Kayla and I have
5: known each other for, yeah like 10 years now yeah, Mm -hmm. and and we've lived in across the country from each other for a majority of that, but yeah, it's getting on the phone when you need that support. It's
2: getting on the flight asking for what you you need. Yeah. 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 Mm
0: -hmm. Asking what other people need. I think, you know, when um, Anthony Bourdain died a couple of weeks ago, I think there was a sort of outpouring on, on social media, where everyone was like, "Reach out to your friends, check on your friends," and like I talk a lot about mental health issues. I've you know I've dealt with depression. I've dealt with major anxiety issues all the time. And like I had friends being like, "Hey, just checking in," uh-huh. and it, it's and I was fine. Like I was great. I was in Texas. I was like in a pool somewhere. I was like, <laughs> "I'm good, guys." I, it's a National Rose Day, <laughs> <laughs> but I I had people check in, and I think checking checking in with each other is important. I also think my advice when it comes to like finding your tribe is. One, don't be afraid to be vulnerable. Don't Mm -hmm. be afraid to say I love you when Mm -hmm. you feel it because it's not about them. It's about you. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, you don't know who really, really, really needs to hear it. Mm -hmm. Um, And -hmm. I think sometimes people really, really need to hear it. You might be the only person that says that to that person in a really long time. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's thing one. And thing two is not to be afraid to be alone for a little while. Because you're not gonna find great people if your world is crowded with bad people. Mm-hmm. If you're crowded with garbage if friends,
4: you're worried about letting friends go because you're worried about
0: not having friends. But
4: they're yeah, friends. if you're surrounded, I okay would call
5: that an aha moment. Ooh, <laughs> oh, I love uh, it. That is a very, very yeah. good. If,
0: really you're, good if, you're, if you're if you're if you space, you're you're encircled by people who don't support you. There's no room for somebody to get in who does. So,
4: and then be your own best yeah. friend. Like love yourself so hard. You know, you, like,
0: Aisha always brings it back to masturbation. I do.
4: I do. Because I really do, like self-love is important. I feel like self-care is really critical. And I feel like if you don't know your vagina, if you're not friendly and familiar with, and then how can anybody else be familiar with your vagina? That's all I'm saying. Oh, guys, that's I all I'm saying. It. It's really simple. I it's really it. On
2: the note of saying how much you love someone, mm-hmm. we love you guys. Yes. And we thank, thank you, you know so it. much for coming today. Where and can people us. find you to show no- Photoshop pictures of you guys? <laughs> <laughs> what are
4: the social? handles where they Uh, can do that. Just at Aisha Tyler on all platforms.
0: I'm Cadley Mac on everything. I think I might just like legally need to change my name (laughs) to (laughs) Cadley Mac Mac because like half the people in my life just call me that.
5: No
4: one knows your
0: actual name. I
5: know. I I accidentally I think referred to you as that, like, talking to Jenna the other week. <laughs> I, was I just mean, like, yeah, Cam- I no, wait, what's think, her Mackenzie.
0: I don't think Paul Wesley knows my name.
5: <laughs> we just,
0: by the way, we just hired hired Paul to direct an episode of Roswell. Yeah, oh, that's amazing. But like, I still don't think he knows my name.
4: <laughs> well, he won't know it when he looks at your misspelled chair. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I should just get at Cadley
5: exactly. Mag on my chair. Well, thank you guys. Thanks, guys. We love
2: you guys. Thank you. Thank
3: you. Yeah. yeah.
2: Do you have trouble sleeping? You're not alone. Sleep is essential to our health and happiness. And that is why we are excited to partner with Calm, the number one app for sleep, meditation, and relaxation. It was named App of the Year last year by Apple. For a limited time, Directionally Challenged listeners can get 25% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash challenged. That's C-A-L-M dot slash challenged with a D. This includes unlimited access to all of Calm's amazing content that will have you drifting off to dreamland in no time. Get started today at calm.com slash challenged, then get to sleep.
5: Directionally Challenged. Bare Minerals has been routed in clean, natural minerals and good-from-earth ingredients for 25 years. This revolutionary way of thinking began with Bare Minerals' best-selling original foundation. Clean formula is made with only five mineral ingredients, and this includes non-chemical mineral sunscreen. Find your new favorite foundation at bareminerals.com. First-time customers will get 15% off when you use the promo code CHALLENGED. Bare Minerals, full of what's good free of what's fake I hope you guys had as much fun listening to us talking with Karina and Aisha as we did recording it Uh, but in two weeks we have a new episode
2: for you guys Brie Emery is here of Design Love Fest she is so creative and so inspiring we cannot wait for you to hear this next episode so make sure you tune in in two weeks
5: challenged is a production of Pineapple Productions. Producer and director Jack Ferry. Producer and editor Melissa Demont. Post production sound by Chris Henry. Production assistance by Julie Carley. Logo design by Natalia Vasquez. And music by Joe King.